good after afternoon here good morning in australia my guest today is luke charlton and and his one sheet says aka the aussie hermit luke thanks thanks for joining me and welcome pleasure to be here pleasure to be here yes i call myself the aussie hermit um actually we may get into that a little bit later on why why i do that uh, i do that mainly in my emails so be on mainly, okay gotcha and you're you're a a coach for coaches. Is that a fair description at this point? Yes. One of those coach coaches for coaches. That's correct. Yes. I, I basically, I help coaches get clients. I've worked with, um, other high ticket service professionals as well. Though, like, you know, um, if you're like an accountant or a lawyer or whatnot, but tip or consultant is another, um, so coaches and consultants are kind of like my main market, but, um, yeah, coaches, just because I know the market really well, I started off as like a health coach and then I transitioned to a business coach. So, okay. Um, yeah, mainly coaches. And, and you walked into this out of, out of, uh, out of a, a original career in, in government service. If yeah. Yeah. Something totally unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was in, I was, uh, yeah, working for the government for the equivalent, like of the FBI basically, but, um, it sounds exciting, but it wasn't really, it was just in it, um, like doing service desk stuff. So. Um, yeah, I worked there for a couple of years and then, um, I'd had a few couple of jobs in the government. I realized that this nine to five lifestyle wasn't for me yeah. and I <laughs> realized I had to get out of there. And so in about 2013, I quit my job and moved to London halfway around the world to, um, to kind of, that's when I really wanted to focus on my coaching business. And I thought that, uh, you know, that because I lived in Canberra at the time, which is about 400,000 people, but I thought, okay, move to London. Uh, there's more people in London. So that means it'll be easier to get clients. And it didn't, didn't really work out that way. <laughs> Got one yeah, client. It, and a uh, fairly expensive place to light and set. I so expensive. Yeah. I went from having like 20 grand in savings to like 30 grand in debt and, uh, like had to borrow money off my parents and my grand grandma and, and then. Uh, when they said no, then I'm like, okay, I have to come home now. And I ended up actually living with my nan, um, in one of her spare bedrooms. Cause she was the only one that would let me live like rent free. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So it, it was basically a big disaster, but I learned a lot about what not to do <laughs> growing a business. Yeah. So yeah. everyone here can benefit from that today. <laughs> there, there, there's a, there's a longer list of don't do this than do do this. Yeah. Isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Hang on one sec. I've got to, I've got to still the, uh, notification beast or we're going to get ding, 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 ding all the whole time. Sorry about that. Um, good, good. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's a, that's, that's a big jump, right? Going from really large org yeah, to yep. on your own, especially on your own new culture. Yeah. Um, I mean, London's quite, um, it's, it's very uh it's like a melting pot there's a lot of different um international people like like expats and whatnot that from all different countries that come and uh, come and live there so it, yeah it is it is very different to where i was from in 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 canberra um and you know being i'm as i said i call myself the aussie hermit right so i'm a bit of an introvert i like to stay inside but because i was there i'm like you know i really need to get out and meet people so one of the things that i did 
um, was like go to networking events. So I went to networking events like five nights per week when I was in London because there's just that many wow business events on that you could go to that many. There was off multiple on per night, and so um, so I met a lot of people. I didn't get any clients from those um, <laughs> events because I think everyone else was <laughs> had the same idea with they were playing des- desperate for clients. So um, so yeah, I met a ton of people, which was which is really great, right? Because it's relationships is what it's all about. But um, yeah, it really put me out of my comfort zone uh, being there, definitely. And now one of the things, uh, you know, having read a bit about your background, one of the things that, that it turns out you must have a heck of a knack for is is copywriting. Yeah? Yeah, not at that stage I didn't. <laughs> Otherwise, I probably would have got a lot more clients. Um, but yeah, so I, what really got me into copywriting was when I actually came back from London and started living with my nan. I got a side job in a, um, like in a cocktail bar, just working at nighttime. And then during the day I was working on my business mm-hmm. and that really, you know, I realized obviously what I was doing wasn't right. And I took a couple of steps back and go, okay, what, what, um, you know, I, I wanted to keep it simple. And so one of the things I'd, so I kind of started getting into was reach researching, like what did like the old school, um, business people. Uh, do to kind of get clients, even like um, before funnels, right? Um, because there was a time before funnels, right? How, how did people get clients in the beginning stages of the internet? And then before the internet, what do people do to get clients? And and that's what kind of led me to copywriting, looking at how um, discovering copywriting and looking at how copywriters uh, got clients. And it, and it was really simple for them, right? It was basically build a list. And that usually entailed an advertisement in a, um, like in a newspaper for a magazine. It prom- it, sometimes it promoted a free report, sometimes it promoted a product, but basically the strategy was the same. It was kind of like get people onto a list and then you'd mail that list consistently, like with an offer that they want. It's that simple. And that's what, um, that's what, where I started to fall in love with copywriting. Um, and then also the simplicity of just building your list and, and mailing your list, which for us is just building and emailing your list now. Right. Um, but yeah, that's when I started really getting serious about copywriting because I could see the power. I mean, what I love about copywriting is power, basically. And what that means is that the kind of definition of power for me is the ability to control your your the outcomes of your life, really, you know. So by being good at copywriting, you can basically write your own check in a way, right? You can, um, uh, what's that, uh, the guy from um, uh, Stan Lee who created um, the Marvel comics, Oh, one of the yeah, things, yeah, 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 yeah. One of the things he said in his biography was like, you know, whenever I wanted to make more money, I just wrote more stories. They didn't even have to be like particularly any, any good, but just, he just knew how to kind of write stories. And just by producing more, he could basically, if his wife wanted a new car, he'd write a new story. If he wanted yeah. a new house, he'd write a few more stories. And that is very, very powerful. And I think that's, that's one of the things that really drew me to copywriting and getting really good at copywriting was that the power to, um, yeah, to be able to write my own checks, basically. And I guess it's not all about money. It's more about controlling my life. Control, having yeah, yeah. The security thing, I guess, as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Beatles, that's a Beatles anecdote. Hey, let's write a swimming pool, right? When they were sort of at the top of their game. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, yeah. And and words still have the power uh, to, to move they people. They do. Persuade. Well, everything's words, even if it's in a VSL or a webinar or... Um, does, just cause it's not on a sales page or like yeah. written words, yeah. we're still communicating, we're still using copy, like 
in a podcast or whatever, or in a, you know, an audio sales um, type presentation, we're still using words to persuade. So it's all, it's all copywriting. I, I, I just love copywriting, the actual written um, form of it, because it's a bit more pure. I think you can um, really work on that presentation and edit it. And I don't know, I just, it's just a, it's, it's just a pretty cool thing to be able to persuade people to buy one of your products or for a client. Like I still run ads for clients, you know, a small handful of clients and, um, you know, spending tens of thousands of dollars per day. And it's pretty cool to be able to go into a market that I have no previous experience with and be able to get them really great results because I know this, you know, just the fundamentals of copywriting, um, and you know, how to create a, a message that people will, uh, will be attracted to, and that will make them convert into buyers. I think that's quite powerful to have that skill. So thinking in terms of the, quite a few, quite a few people who, uh, engage this podcast video or audio are involved in email marketing. If you were stuck in an elevator <laughs> with an email marketer, you know, eight to 10 floors or something like that. Is there short advice about getting better at copywriting that you'd give them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my advice, like I'm the guy that like, I'm not into, I, I run ads for clients. We run some, you know, funnels, right? Some complex funnels, sometimes they're tripwires or webinars or, or whatnot, but I'm, what I teach is simplicity. So the, the stuff that I teach is usually not that new, mm -hmm. um, but it's what works. So it's not that exciting or it's not that sexy, but it's what makes sales. Yeah. And so the, I, I preface that, I um, give you that context to say, the first thing that I would say is if you ever, if you ever wondering like, what would make this market buy, you know, book an appointment with me or what would make them click on this ad or what would persuade them to buy, whatever the question is, right. In relation to getting them to attract, be attracted to you and buy the answer, the, the, the answer that the answer is always in the market. You don't have to have a blank bit of paper. And this is what I tell my clients. You don't, it's not like you sit down with a blank bit of paper and go, okay, let me write an amazing sales page. No, no, the first thing you do is you go to the market and you research the market and you find out what are their frustrations? What are their desires? You know, um, what are their, their biggest questions? What are their biggest objections? So you get very, very clear yeah. about that market and you know them better than they know themselves. Mm -hmm. and that, just by doing that, you'll get all any ant you'll get all the all the answers to your questions like what's going to make them book an appointment oh they want to lose 30 pounds in 30 days i'm just going to promise that at the end of my emails right you know what's going to make them click you know so what's the best lead magnet to create oh if they they're frustrated with this this and this how about i create a bit of content to help them with that frustration mm -hmm. right so that's what i mean by the answers are always in the market like that's all copywriting is i'm just learning about a market intimately and then i'm literally taking their words and I'm reflecting it back to them. That's all, that's all, all we're doing. Now I can, I can tell you a little bit more about how I did that in emails, if you want to hear about that, but that's the essence of creating a really great marketing message to create, creating a message that sells is you just use the words, um, that the market uses. And that way you can't fail because you're just using what they're, um, you know, what they're telling, but so that but people don't want to do that research. They don't want to do the, the they don't want to uh, do that work, but that's where the money is made. That's where you, you're digging f for gold. Yeah. Um, and then, so once you identify like those common patterns, those common frustrations, then yeah, you just reflect it. That's the, that's the main, like, if I just have one bit of advice for any business owner that wants to make more sales, you just need to know that, um, that will help you craft the right offer. It will help you, um, you know, right program offer or create the right product. It's, the answers are always in the market.
Toys in the nice. market. Nice, nicely put. And it lines up. Well, I, 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 um, I wrote a guest blog post for a email org that I'm a member of. Um, I don't think it's even published yet. But I kind of teed off on. I teed off on how sunk in data and tech uh, email uh, marketers can get. And the loose side of the purpose of marketing is Peter Drucker, right? Know, know, know your customer well enough that, that the product sells itself, which is essentially what you just right. said. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So one of the things um, like that I, you know, you mentioned that email marketers, they get, you know, a lot of them get kind of buried in numbers, right? Like open rates and whatnot and click like, like, so I, I don't even track my open rates. Um, so when I, and this might be blasphemous, but I'm talking no, about it's, yeah, it's, uh, you're, it's interesting uh, though that you teed it up. So the, like, okay, maybe in the beginning of, when you're first growing your email list, you just want to make sure people are actually opening them. Like, as in like, there's not a tech issue. Right. So that's like what you want to use it for. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, the most important thing is, are they booking an, an appointment, right? That's, that's your main goal. Cause there's a lot of email marketers out there. Um, that will, you know, be hired by a company and they'll go to the company and go, look, we've got 20% open rates, you know, this, uh, this month and we've got, you know, 3% click throughs and then, and the client's like, oh, that sounds great. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the, um, um, the agency that goes, yeah, we've got a thousand likes for you on Facebook. It's great, but like how many sales did I make or how many appointments did you put in my calendar? Right. And so that's what you want to, that's really how you measure the effectiveness of an email campaign is how many sales did you make or how many appointments did though did those emails uh, book and anything in between like open rates click through percentages they can help you like a little bit identify but even with tracking now being pretty inaccurate with apple's security and all that stuff for me like i measure the fact that on the email is did it get me a sale or did it get me an appointment everything else is really irrelevant from that stage so focus um, on business metrics not diagnostic sort of channel metrics yeah, exactly. The diagnostics, yeah, so they can kind of help guide you if there's problems. Um, usually I use them for tech in the beginning, but once I know that people are actually opening my emails, I just focus, as I said, creating a better marketing message, like writing emails that people want to read. Okay, that's my main, like writing emails that people want to read and then having an offer that they want to buy. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it's great to hear it's uh, put succinctly and simply, it's not, it's not always easy for people to stick to that when, that's what I'm looking for. It, it, it feels to me sometimes like it's an, ex, it's an exhausting job. Uh, if you're banging out campaign after campaign for a company, it's like, what do I say new? What do I say different? And, uh, we, we have a couple yeah. of inboxes we run to, to sort of subscribe to everything on the planet. Right. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah gets repetitive really fast. And so frequently they're talking about themselves, not us, right? Mm -hmm. Your advice to the copywriters talk, you know, talk, talk to me about me, so to speak. Um, yes. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. If you put the message within, like they'll never get bored of themselves. Right. So if you, yeah, you speak yeah. about them, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll always tune in, but there's, there are best practices, um, which I can talk about in terms of, um, making sure your emails get read and, and even making them fun for you to write as well, which you can get into yeah. if you want. Yeah. You mentioned funnels and, and, um, I, th I think I saw funnels related to some of the, the copy about your company. Like what's the, what's the funnel world these days and what, it, uh, what, if any advice do you give your coaching clients about that? In what, what do you mean? Like in what context? Well, um, 
there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of formulaic and turnkey uh, funnel offers, and I find myself wanting to pick on click funnels a little bit, which isn't fair. And I'll hear people talk about my funnel, and I'm thinking, it's just, more than anything, it's a psychological construct, not a magic technical conveyor. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. That's why they, again, my message um, that I say to my list is, you know, and I was this, I was the same, like I chased all the, the reason why I give this advice is because I've made all these mistakes, but you know, I was saying I was chasing all these bright, shiny objects. And the reason why people do it, it's kind of like when people go from diet to diet, there's mm. this new diet that comes out and it's like, oh, maybe the reason I haven't lost weight is because the, you know, I haven't tried this diet yet. So they give this a try for 30 days, doesn't work or, um, or it works and they come off it and they lose the weight and they're like, oh, that didn't work. So they go try the next diet. Right. So then it's like chasing bright, shiny objects and, and funnel the industry of funnels is the same. And, and a big part of that, that you just mentioned is because people think that the thing that's going to make them sex, su successful is the funnel, right? It's the tech, it's the special bot strategy. It's the invisible funnel. It's the, it's the fact that it's a low ticket tripwire. Again, that it's not the funnel, it's the marketing message, right? At the end of the day, business is the market with a problem, your product is a solution. And so what's the simplest way to get your offer in front of that market, the problem, you know, the solution in front of the problem. For me, I just say, keep it simple and build your list. So get people onto your list with the problem that you solve and then present them the solution through your emails. You don't need a complex funnel to be able to, to do that. So, um, you know, if, if you're trying the funnels, that's fine. But, um, for me, it's, you're making a lot, like if, if you're earning over six figures, you quote, you know, mid six figures, but you want to try funnels, that's, that's great. But I say, look, if you're kind of six figures or below, you're just getting started, keep it simple. We want to make sure that you've got an offer that people want, or you're communicating in a way that people want, and you just. Otherwise, if you, if you, if you do a funnel, usually what happens is, um, you're here for like six months or more trying to set it up, like whether you had to create multiple products or, yeah. you know, upsells and downsells and complicated, um, email automations and yeah. like a web, just a webinar. Like it, it sounds simple, like, oh, let's do a 60 minute presentation. But again, I know working from thousands of business owners for them to sit down and do as put together a 60 minute sales presentation with the intro and the right content and thinking through all that. It doesn't take like a week. It takes them months and then they have to set up the tech and, um, and what's the opportunity cost there, right. Of not actually running any ads in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so with, with my clients, I can get them generating leads with ads onto the email list within four weeks. And these are people that have no experience with ads, like simply because we just do a simple lead magnet, mm -hmm. um, and, and build their list. Uh, but if I told them to do a webinar or a tripwire funnel, one of the other funnels, like that'll be, you know, six months down the line, still trying to get together. And usually what happens is they run ads, they don't make money. And then they, okay, now we have to test the, we have to bring down the webinar. We have to redo it. And then you have to do another, spend another couple of thousand dollars on ads to test it. And that's the other thing that gurus don't say is to test these funnels. You usually have to spend, you know, quite a little bit of money to, um, you know, to test the funnel and the message. So, um, yeah, so that's like where I think, again, my, my advice, that's to people that are under six figures that just want to get something consistent going. That's my advice. If you're already at a certain level, fine, do the complex funnels. You got the time to do it. You got the cash flow. That's fine. Um, so that's kind of like where I, the advice that I give for people looking at funnels. It's good. It's good advice, right? Like stay, stick with the problem and the people with the problem. I don't start hitting them over the head with, with, yep. uh, with tech solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you work with clients still all, all over the world. I think you, you said. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the place that I run ads are, um, uh, so the U S Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, they're the, the four main countries I don't do UK just because of the time difference. Yeah. That would be, that'd be a little tough. That'd be a stretch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're already, if you're already shifting to adjust to, to those slightly. Although every, every, every now and then I do, I do get someone from Europe that comes through onto my list and, um, and they sign up, but, um, yeah, it's not that, not that often. Do you find any big, uh, cultural differences in terms of what works in email? Let's, let's just focus on email for a sec in those different markets. So like Canadian business coach, different approach from American business coach, for example. No, uh, no, I just write the emails, um, from, for me, just from my personality and I just attract people that resonate mm-hmm. with, with me. Like usually, um, it's just like when I'm running ads for clients, usually the way that the U S responds will be the same way as Canada, like those four, um, and the UK, right? So you've got the five main kind of Western countries like UK, Canada, U S Australia, New Zealand, they usually react, um, pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what I do notice is that. Australians resonate with me more. Um, so I like if, if they're trying to choose between me helping them with their business or an American business coach, they usually choose swing more towards me because I'm Australian. Yeah. Um, so there, there is that, um, but in terms of like a marketing message, it's usually pretty consistent across those Western countries. I have one client at the moment now that I'm doing a weight loss campaign for, and, uh, works amazing in Australia but doesn't work that great in the US, Canada and UK. It's quite strange. So, um, huh. Huh. figure. Yeah, it's a really, it's a great offer. It's like a $1, um, so the their business is called the three day diet and we have a $1 offer and, um, yeah, it works amazing in Australia. It works okay in New Zealand, but just totally unprofitable in, in the UK and, and the U S some, some little thing misfiring. Yeah. I'm really. And the click costs, by the way, in those countries are like a quarter. The click cost is actually a quarter of what it is in Australia. So it's much less. The click cost is way less. So that what that means is the ads are actually on a click cost um, are actually performing four times better. Yeah. But the clicks aren't converting. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's something we have to figure out. Interesting. Um, uh, we, didn't, to... we didn't talk about this uh, in our preliminary conversation, but uh, I, I got to live in your country for a year, granted a long time ago. Um, so I have at least a little feel left in my memory for the things that were very much the same and the things that were like, oh, we got to figure out how to translate this somehow. Uh, beautiful place though. My God. Still- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still jonesing to go back. It's, it's been a long time, but I'm still jonesing to go back. Uh, did not get up to your neck of the woods quite, but uh, a lot of time in Sydney and, and Blue Mill. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Sydney's nice. It's very busy. <laughs> Sydney's very nice busy. Yeah. Uh, nice to leave as well. <laughs> I, I kind of was kind of wishing that uh, the office for the company was with the time had been in, in, in Melbourne or Adelaide. Like that would have been a little more my speed, but <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're pretty, Melbourne's easy to get around in. Some problems are too bad. All the weather's not that great in Melbourne, but anyway. It isn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah. The days are like one, you know, it'll be sunny in the morning and then it'll be raining like two out, like pouring down into us. Then it'll be sunny and it'll be like snowing. It, it, the weather changes. It's very renowned for that, for it just changing on a dime like that. Really great day to a really terrible day or vice versa. Okay. Well, if you're, if you're listening and you're planning your vacation, take notes and and you're going to get good wine wherever you go. (laughs) That's true. 
That is heck, yeah, it's absolutely it's yeah. absolutely true. Um, is there a target sort of size? You've mentioned you know over six figures, under six figures. Like, do you work with clients of all all sorts of? Yeah, I work with um, so the, the clients that I run ads for are typically in this you know seven figure range. Yeah. Um, but I work with generally the, I work with coaches under six figures just because most of the market is made up with people earning under six figures in sure. different ways that like Laura Brady 20. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I work with six figure plus seven figures and even eight figure, uh, coaches. So I've worked with that whole, whole range. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. that someone has got an eight figure coaching business. Good for good on them. <laughs> it's not an easy yeah. thing to, not an easy No, it's not. And they um. It's, yeah, it's, I, it's not something that I would ever desire to run. They had, they uh, have a lot of stuff to manage and it doesn't look fun at all. Yeah. 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 And it's like me and my VA, that's like my whole business at the moment. I may in the future get a, like a salesperson to do my calls. Mm -hmm. Um, but my calls come from my email list. So by the time they like opt into my list, read my emails and they sign up to my wait list for my program. And then they get on a call, they, 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 they kind of like, um, very filtered out of the funnel side of it. I don't do a ton of calls each week, but I, most of them convert and I'm, I'm happy with that at the moment, but it's getting to the point where I probably will have to hire a salesperson, but that's how I want to keep my business that, that yeah. kind of lean. Keep it, keep, keep it at a scale where it's really under your control, right? Exactly right. Yeah. So if yeah. you want to hang out with two and four year olds, you, you can. Exactly right. <laughs> right. <laughs> for, 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 uh, first, first things first, um, as they say. Uh, actually for people listening, that might sound a bit weird, but I have two kids, two, two and a four. I don't think we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like to go you around hanging out with two and four year olds. Um, I have a two year old and a four year old. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with, Dave, we've ended up talking about kids, like a number of guests on, uh, that I've had a chance to talk with, like somehow we end up bubbling over it and, and, and talking about kids, that, uh, kids that they've gotten. It's, uh, it's kind of, kind of a kick. You learn about people a bit that way. Um, What's the state of, uh, we're going off topic. What's the, what's the state of things vis-a-vis -vis pandemic right now there? Uh, I don't know. You probably don't want to hear my thoughts on the, on the pandemic. You might get your podcast banned, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it depends on, I don't know what the state is. Um, I think people are probably pretty over it at, at, at this stage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I think it's a, starting to become in the rear view mirror, people are wanting to, to like basically move on. Mm -hmm. And even though the politicians are trying to bring it back and bring in some new monkey pox now and whatnot. So I don't know. I, um, I hope it's in the rear view mirror. I hope there's no more, no more shenanigans, any more pandemics, um, in the future. Uh, but I think there are other things coming up in the future that are, that are much worse than what the pandemic was. Like, I don't think the economy is in very good shape. I don't think that, um, the food supply is in that good shape either. Uh, I think that's going to be a pretty serious problem in the coming months. Um, so those two are the big ones, the economy and yeah, and the food supply are going to be pretty, I mean, that's already happening in other countries like, um, Sri Lanka and, uh, you know, Sri Lanka is having riots now because of the, I think India may have cut off the wheat supply to Sri Lanka. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, people think, oh, well, that's in Sri Lanka. It doesn't happen here. But, you know, in the US, for example, there are already food supplies. You know, there are food factories being burned down randomly over the last few months. I don't know if you've seen that in the news. Um, I mean, it's not reported in the media. Um, but yeah, if you, if you do like a, 
Google search, you get probably even on, even on Google. Um, but yeah, there's factories being burned down. There's the shortage in, um, uh, the, um, fertilizer, yeah. uh, just, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things that aren't going the right way at the moment. So my thoughts are, I, if I was, if I was so people listening and I'd have some, some food prepared <laughs> for a few months, at least a few months food supply, just in case. Um, but that, so those are my thoughts. Well, ripple, I mean, aside from the ripple effect coming out from, uh, the breadbasket of Ukraine, not, not being busy, being busy with other things at the moment, mm -hmm. um, I was just reading this morning that, uh, weather pattern in the U S is really dinging wheat crops here and like number yeah. three producer, I think of wheat in the U S so that's not, that's not good. Pile that on top. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be a bit tight. We've got such a. Uh, such an assumption that it'll just happen and show up. It's going to be a bit of a shock, I think, for yep. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Then there's the inflation that's going to like uh, compound that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, people think like the, the Fed says, oh, you know, we're going to really, really want to tackle inflation. Well, why don't you raise the interest rates then? They, they do a lot of jawboning. They do a lot of talking, but there's not much action. So I say just watch what the Fed does because... What they do and what they say are like two different things. I think they might do one more rate hike, I suspect. Um, but they, but other than that, after that, they won't be able to raise it anymore. Otherwise, the, the economy will just just fall apart, and yeah. and then I think if inflation is going to get even worse. So, again, be prepared. Um, that's what I say. It's going to be a wild ride for a while, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, it it intrigues me. You you leave the. Um, you know, disease, disease and treatment side of, of pandemics apart as a, as a guy in the digital space for a long time, the adjustments that we've made quickly where now people work like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not going to go away. No, no, no. I mean, business owners, I mean, I was already, you know, people would say to me during the pandemic, oh, it's great to be working from home. I was like, oh, I've been working like this for like the last, you know, 10 years. So it's yeah. not, yeah. not much of a change to me. I think a lot of entrepreneurs like that anyway. Yeah. I will like in a solo or entrepreneurs anyway, I'll say, um, if you've got a company, obviously it's a little bit different with, with the staff and, and whatnot, but solo entrepreneurs, I think it's business as usual, but yeah, after, I think you're right in that there's going to be a lot more remote, uh, remote working, um, into the future. I think that will ever change. For jobs, it can be done that way, to be fair, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like I'll keep saluting uh, the many teachers and healthcare folks and so on. Although if I had a, like, if I had a desire to have build a company, I would want my staff in the office. I wouldn't want them working from home. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I would, um, I think you, uh, I think I've read somewhere a while back that the, you actually get more out of your staff if they're in the office with you than at home. Um, I believe that just on a, like, just on a human factors basis, you know, like how, how we're actually wired to, uh, to interact and, and that, that high speed informal, did you take care of? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like as opposed to getting on like a zoom and just doing all that and organizing a time and then, yeah. Or even like, yeah, it's just, I don't think it's, it's as efficient, um, as being in the office with someone. Yeah. Yeah. There's drawbacks as well at each side. It's, you know. Yeah, it's a trade-off. Uh, you know, if, if you manage to do that where commutes are not hellacious, there's probably more willingness. Yeah, exactly. Um, I keep reading that Wednesday is now like office day as as companies <laughs> at least in the U.S. are starting 
to coax people back in. It's like, uh, you're kind of landing. I hate to be a person that owns like commercial real estate because, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good opportunity though. I think after like, if this, if we do go into a, a recession or some level of depression, yeah, there might be some good opportunity to buy some commercial real estate or, you know, cause I bet you'll be like pennies on the dollar. Well, some of the big tech companies in the, in the States have been, have been doing that. I know Google's been acquiring office space. I want to say Facebook, Amazon as well. Like interesting bet on their part. I mean, they can, uh, you could say they could afford it, but that's still a very yep. deliberate decision. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I would not want to be in commercial real estate either. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Um, okay. Well, parting thoughts about the future of email. The future of email, parting thoughts. That is a really good question. Um, you know, I don't think like, I think email is going to be around here for, uh, around for a very long time. It's, it's a different medium, you know, it's never going to be replaced by like messenger or text, right? Because they're, they're different mediums. Like you wouldn't send, like I send an email each day and it's, and it's an entertaining email. And people love to read it. But if I sent that same email via messenger or text, it would really annoy people because that, that's not what you'd use those messenger platforms for. It's not to get, it's not to get content and read it. That's for conversation, like quick conversations, right? Mm -hmm. Quick back and forth conversations. So it's a different medium used for something, a different way of communicating. So that's why I think there's always going to be a place for email. And even if something else overtook it, that would be the new email, if that makes sense. So there's always going to be a way to deliver your message two people in, in a similar context to email. So I'm not worried about email changing in that regard. What I think from like a copywriting perspective and getting your um, emails open, uh, and this is again, probably what we have a, um, uh, an easier way to understand how this works is to read it, go to my website, lukechild.com forward slash blog. You can, I just chuck all my emails on my blog. Right. But you can sign up to my list and get my daily emails as well while you're there if you want. But um, what I think in terms of the future of email is to look at and copy and copywriting as well, getting your emails read and writing effective emails is you want to look at what people are engaging with, you know, where, where their, where their um, attention is. Right. So people are watching Netflix, they're watching, you know, streaming, uh, YouTube, social media. And the reason why they're spending, literally, if you go look at like how much time someone spends watching Netflix per day or social media, they spend hours per day. Yeah. And the reason why is because these pieces of these forms of content are entertaining. So people love to be entertained. So if you're struggling with people opening your emails and uh, engaging with them, generally it's because they're not that fun to read. They're not that entertaining. It might just be like full of content, for example, like content. Content's great, but usually f that only works for a couple of weeks and the person like your open rates go down and then no one, you know, you, they just put your, your email in like the old great content. I'll read it later. Everyone's got that, like, you know, yeah. great content folder. I'll read it later type thing. And no one ever reads that. Yeah. <laughs> and so what you want to do is you want to make sure that your emails are entertaining because that's what people want. They want to be entertained, right? They're spending hours on no Netflix, but you know, if they're not taking a couple of minutes just to read your email, there's obviously something wrong with what you're writing your email. So. I say, make your emails entertaining. A very simple way to do that, which you'll see if you read my emails is just by telling stories and your stories can literally come from anywhere. Um, you don't have to have an amazing life. Again, I call myself the Aussie hermit because I'm inside most of the time, right? So your stories can come from news articles from Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, right? That's a great story, right? Um, so the stories are all over the place, entertaining stories. 
And so you tell the story and then you, you just, you tie that with, you tie that in with whatever you are selling. Again, if you, if you go read my emails, you'll see how I do that. And you just, just model that framework. Um, but people luck, people really engage with these emails. Like I, I get emails all the time. Like a lady sent me one, let's see if I can quickly pull it up here. Uh, she sent me an email saying, um, oh no, it's not here, but she, I'll, I'll do a paraphrased version. Um, actually no, it is here. Okay. Here, okay, here it is. She said, Luke, I have to let you know. And I get emails of this all the time, by the way, Luke, I have to let you know, I've created a folder just for you. Every single one is valuable. Thank you. Um, you know, your copywriting is amazing. Okay. So, and I get people writing all the time saying, I love your emails. Sometimes when I have a strong opinion, they might say <laughs> you're an idiot, that type of thing, but mostly it's, it's positive. Um, and that's because I, I, I start with entertainment. Like I lead with entertainment. I make sure that my emails are entertaining in the first instance. And then I teach them something valuable from that story. And so the future of email is to those people that focus on entertainment and, and understand as they remember the, the answers are always in the market. So what is the market? Where are they? Where is it? Where is their attention focused? Yeah. It's on Netflix. It's on YouTube. It's on things that are entertaining. Yeah. So you better make sure that your emails are entertaining. Otherwise, you know, they're not, they might stick around for the first couple of weeks, but after that, it, you know, it, 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 it tends to die down pretty quickly in terms of people wanting to engage and open, open your emails. Do you find it challenging to be entertaining on a regular basis or does it come naturally? No, I mean, that's my whole system. That's what I teach in my program. But, you know, um, so I get, as I said, your ideas will come from all over the place. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have, um, let me see here. Um, so any, an example here is I'm just looking at all my previous emails that I've written. Um, so the start of this email is, you know, continually seeing headlines like this doesn't fill the Aussie hermit with much hope for humanity's future. And the headline is woman hospitalized for refusing to fart in front of her boyfriend. Okay. So I was, I was just on a news website and that was one of the main headlines, woman hospitalized. And at and first I had a laugh, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that's a, that's a great, that's a great. Right. Great book. You can't not write that. <laughs> um, exactly right. Um, so that my, my subject line was farting in front of your client for the first time. So I just kind of twisted it a little bit. Sure. Um, but the point is I don't like they store, I don't have to come, I don't have to be like a comedian or a late night show TV host to be funny or entertaining. Um, and not all the stories are funny, by the way, it could be frustrating. It could be happy or sad or, um, whatever, but uh, my ideas, the point is the ideas come from outside of me. I don't kind of sit there with a blank bit of paper and go, what should I write today? Right. I see something and I go, let's write about that. Or my kids say something funny to me, or they say something that makes me really angry. And I might write an email about that. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I teach is like, okay, here, I basically, in my program, I give people a massive list of like, here are all the different places that I get ideas from. Mm -hmm. And when you, you'll see them, like once you read the list, you'll see, okay. So news articles is a great one. Like news headlines, just go on some news websites, look up some, what are the most recent headlines, Hollywood headlines, uh, investment headlines. I mean, that's a really simple thing to do, um, to start getting some story ideas and people love news. People love anything that's new. Um, so that's that, that really great engaging, like, um, a client of mine wrote about, um, when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Uh, and that was one of the highest ever open, open emails. Yeah. Um, just because it was so recent and, and new. Yeah. Right, so once you know where to look, 
Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to come up with ideas, but what I will say, um, is I know it's a good story when it, when it sparks an emotion, like a strong emotion within me. So if I laugh or if I am really frustrated or if I am angry or whatever that emotion is, yeah. Um, if I feel humiliated or, you know, if I think back to an old story of me, I'm like, that's a really a beginning of a great story. Cause if it sparks an emotion within me, it's, it's going to be fun to write. Um, it's, I'm going to be passionate about writing it. And the p- person reading is going to feel that emotion. As you know, with, with copyright, it's all about emotion. Like the sale is like 90% emotion. So we get them engaged emotionally, which is 90%. And then the 10% is a logical part of why they should buy it. But um, yeah, so if it sparks a strong emotion within you, that's the best place, right? So just t- pay attention to what what kind of interests you, mm-hmm. um, what sparks that emotion, and then that's a good place to start with the stories. Boy, that is that is terrific advice. It really is. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, you make it sound simple. I know it's not, and you've got years invested in doing it. But that is no, it is actually it is actually pretty much that simple. Like it is actually pretty simple. Like once you. Um, it, the, the, what probably is the hardest thing is just remembering in the beginning, like just getting into the habit. Like, cause I can, I could just from this interview, I could, you know, tell three stories to my email list, you know, um, you know, cause we talked about a few different things in this interview, which I thought was great. Yeah. And, um, and I could, yeah, as I said, I could come up with three stories that it's reminded me about, or I could even just tell a story about this whole interview I had, an interview today. And yeah. you know, one of the questions that made me think about like, what was, you know, one of the questions you asked, like, where, where did I, um, you know, what? where was the pandemic going or what, what's, what do you think about the situation with the pandemic? And then I could tell, write an email about that. So, sure, sure. um, so they're all over the place, all over the place. Uh, great places are, um, when you're on sales calls, I get ideas all the time. Cause I'm, when I speak to coaches and they're like, okay, I'm stuck with this, this, and this. I'm like, I go, that's a, you know, that's a great story. Um, that's a great story, you know? So it's just really getting, the hardest part is getting into the habit of it. And that's why I give my clients a list so they just put that next to their desk. Mm-hmm. And then once they kind of use it, then it's like similar to me. They just, you know, see them all over the place. Just search, build. And for the copy, the, for the email copywriters listening, you know, to make your emails more fun for yourself or your clients. Um, yeah, get stories from, that's another way to make it more fun for you. Just get stories from all over the place. Um, and that will make it more enjoyable for you to write your, these emails as well. I like it. Well, let's close on that. Thank you for the lesson, by the way. Sorry. That's really good. So my guest today, Luke Charlton. Luke, where does someone go to find out more? And I'm going to sign up. So where where, where do they go to sign up? <laughs> yeah, Charlton. probably the best place to is, um, uh, so I have a uh, like a free guide slash booklet called The Nine Email Office That Get Clients For Free. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you just go to nineemailoffice.com, so the numps, the number nine, emailoffice.com, Mm-hmm. Um, the take your landing page, you can grab that booklet and you'll be able to see some different offers that you can send out to your email list to book appointments or generate some more sales. Um, and then once you obviously, once you're on my email list and you'll, you'll see how my daily emails work and you'll be able to see, oh, okay, there's what he's using the story and this, here's how he's tied that story in. And okay, now he's going to the close, right? So story lesson close is the framework. You're your own, um, you're your, your own living example. I love it. Exactly right. Like I, I do what I, that's why I don't. I'm, uh, I don't do any complex funnels. I could do them for clients. I know how to do them. I've been very successful with them. Yeah. I don't do them for myself because I want to demonstrate um, to my clients that you don't need a complex funnel to be a successful coach or consultant. Um, I may do one in the future. I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment, so I may do one for that. But at the present stage, I just, I just keep things really simple. Just a lead magnet, build my list, and email that list. 
Yeah. You know, pretty simple. It works. Well, cool. Luke, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for the time. Pleasure being here. It was a great interview.